Let's do it. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? And we got all our lines wide open. Go ahead and give us a call. Put you right up at the top of the list. That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call. That's it. And just in case you don't get a chance to call in or don't care to call in for some reason. Maybe think of something during the week while we're not on the air. That's right. You can always visit the website and get your questions answered at the website. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the address is www.agcoauto.com. A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is to take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company. That'll get you to our site. There are several databases you can search to get your questions answered and more than likely, you'll find an answer there on the site, but it, should you happen not to, you can always hit the contact bar and send Lewis an email. That's right. Anytime, day or night, and he'll get it back to you within 24 hours. Of course, you go to the vehicle questions section, and there's a search function in there. There's also a main search function on the entire site, uh-huh. but there's one peculiar just to that particular database as well. And type in what you need. It's about 800 of those that have already been answered. Just and that's a short to the point right. answer to a particular question. That's exactly right. Like, what are the symptoms of a bad U-joint? There you go. For instance, or what are da-da-da-da, what does the red dot on my new tire mean? <laughs> <laughs> Questions like that are answered there. Now, there's also the detailed topic section, which is a much more involved story about a particular facet. Put one on there this morning about name brand and no-name gas. Uh-huh. Because that is something we get a tremendous number of calls on, and there's a lots of good information there and some little pictures that I spooked up from somewhere or other <laughs> you found. In fact, look on there. Be sure you go to it and look on there and look at that old gas station on there and tell me what year that was. Uh-huh. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah, they got a got an old station with old pump and gas is 20 and a half cents a gallon. So pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com, and I think you'll really like it. We're going to our phone lines with Bruce. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. How's it going? Doing Good great, morning, sir. sir. You almost be glad you're in air conditioning. <laughs> you're right. Oh, no, you know it. Uh, I got a question. Uh, 07 GMC Classic. Uh-huh. The, uh huh. The I call them running lights. The little lights into the in the grill that stay on all the time. Yeah, that's the, the daytime running lights. Right. Called uh, DRL. Anytime it's in drive. Yes, sir. They're on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Me and a friend of mine have the same problem with the same light. The yes, left sir. one. Yes, sir. Yep. And I just checked mine. Mm-hmm. I took it out mm-hmm. and the socket. I don't know what you call socket. it on the bulb. No, the bulb itself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The uh, wire on it was burned. I scratched right. it a little bit with right. my pocket knife. Put it back yeah. in. It worked That's fine. The, the socket burns up on them, Bruce, and then that keeps burning the bulbs up. You have to replace those socket pigtails. They are absolutely notorious for that. They've had that problem since 1999. I don't know if they ever fixed it, but we keep those pigtails on the shelf. You can buy them from a Chevy dealer, and you just have to take cut the old socket off, and you have to solder a new one on or crimp it back on there. They send it with crimps, and right. the crimp has a piece of heat shrink made onto it. Right. I like to solder them and heat shrink them without that crimp. It just makes a better connection. Yeah, it looks a little prettier, too. Those sockets keep burning up. They, they melt the bulbs because the socket's not making good contact, and too much amperage going through the connection, so it just it keeps burning bulbs up. I see. So I had a 98 that did the same thing with yes. taillights, yeah. and mm-hmm. apparently they haven't improved it since. Well, that mm-hmm. was a different problem, but 
typical GM stuff. Well, it, uh, the bulb looked exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, uh, the, the, center, right. the center bulb on those would go out. It's a 3157. Right, and th- I think this was actually a 41. 4157 in the DRL. Yeah. Right. yeah. I didn't I didn't look at the number. You got to watch, uh, too. I always buy those bulbs from Chevrolet because there's some aftermarket bulbs that will fit right in there and pull more amperage, and that'll make the problem worse. But I guarantee you're going to end up changing those sockets. Okay, because these are uh, Sylvania bulbs. Yeah. You can't get mm-hmm. them good anywhere? I just make absolutely sure it's the same amount of wattage because there are several bulbs that will plug in there that do have different watt ratings on them. So to cure that, uh, I need to change the sockets. Change the right. sockets, yes. Sir. All right, thank you. All right, All right. thank right. you. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the automotive, right, we'd love to have you. And we've got Gerald online. Good morning, Gerald. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. I have a 2000 Buick LeSabre. Okay. That has an overheating problem. Okay. When you're on the highway, everything's fine. Uh-huh. When you get in traffic, it starts heating up. Both okay. fans, both radiator fans are running. Okay. But, but, see, they can be running, Gerald, but if you don't know if they're running full speed or not. Well, they don't seem like they're running full speed. That's right. See, it's got a module in there, and it can control one or both anywhere from 50% to 100% speed. Right. And what happens when that module goes out or it gets something wrong with it, they may be running at 50% speed, so they're turning, but they're not moving enough air. Okay. You have to have a GM scan tool to go in and see what the module is commanding, and then you can tell whether the problem's in the motor or in the module or in the wiring or in the sensor going to it. Okay. But that is normally the problem. In other words, anything else like thermostat or a radiator or anything else is not going to cool off when you start going down the road. It's going to get worse. That's right. I change the thermostat. Yeah, next no difference. the radiator. Right. Well, right. that's a waste of time because, see, if it only does it when you're sitting still, then it's going to be a fan or air moving type issue. Right. So I have to go to a GM dealer? Absolutely not. No. Not ever, <laughs> never for anything. Didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> No, any good independent shop. I mean, we got every GM scan tool they make at Agco, and I'm sure lots of other places got them. Any qualified shop can fix that. What's a whole true? lot better and a whole lot faster. So you've got and to cheaper. put it on a machine to see what the No, there ain't no machine. you got to scan tool. you got to look and see what the computer is commanding, and it takes a qualified tech to figure out what that means. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. All right. You want to be part of the automotive? All right. We would love to have you. And we got John Line. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning, you guys. Good Sir, morning. I've got a 2002 Chevy Suburban. Um, it's the 6.1 liter V8 Vortec engine, and I've got 160,000 miles on it. It's my wife's vehicle. She got a message on the dash yesterday saying reduced engine power. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And something to do with the cooling system. Unless it's overheating. Well, yeah. Uh, according to the manual, it says reduced engine power, further entering the engine coolant protection mode. Okay. If it's, so, is it so it's coolant protection, it's overheating, or it thinks it's overheating. It can go to reduce power for a number of reasons, though. The most common thing is a bad throttle body or something wrong with the throttle body. But if it said coolant protection or said something about that, then it will also go to reduce power when it sees an overheat or thinks it sees an overheat. Now, okay. are, you, are you actually overheating? No. Uh, it just all of a sudden disappeared. Okay. Now, I can tell you that I've never changed the engine coolant in it. And well, Kind of I, scary. Was, uh, I was just fixing way, to ask way, you. Way, way, way past due. Yeah. Probably got some fairly major have you, system problems at this point. Have you been adding fluid to it? No. None at all? Hadn't been losing yeah. any? I mean, no, no leaks. Dexcool will go yeah. will go five years at the absolute outside. That's what they tell you, five years. And, I mean, it's 100% depleted there. Most likely it's turned to acid by now, and it's eating up quite a bit of the cooling system. What I would do, John, before I would spend a nickel on that is bring that to somebody that you was very competent and you knew you could trust and do an evaluation on a truck before you decide to spend any money on it. 
because that okay. can that can absolutely total that truck. Really, I oh, was yeah. I was going to just change out the coolant today and and you know do a flush on it myself. Well, you can try, yeah, you can try, but look, it's almost too little, too late. Yeah. Okay. I, oh. I, I wouldn't go as far as spending any big money on that no. truck if the coolant's eight years old. All right. Well, that's and I'm sure you guys could help me out if I brought it to you. Yes, mm-hmm. we, could do, we could do a full inspection and tell you pretty much what the extent of the damage is. But where I see people go with that is they go in and they find something like the radiator's leaking, so they change the radiator, and the heater core starts leaking, and change the heater core, and the water pump starts leaking, and change the water pump. Then the head gaskets are leaking, and by the time they spend about four grand, they figure out, hey, I shouldn't have gone here. Wow, we well, see it all the time. Yeah, yeah we, we really had do. no no indication it was right. running hot cooling or well, anything. It the just the first indication is when it's too late. Yeah, generally the first indication they get towed in or or they got major 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 problem. You're not gonna get symptoms on any newer vehicle. Yeah, that's why you got to do the maintenance on them. Right. Okay. Fair enough. All righty. Thank you, man. Thank yes, you, sir. Bye bye. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Reed on the line. Good morning, Reed. Got a 2002 Buick Century. Uh huh. And the driver's side window is down. Okay. It won't go up. Okay. What I do? Pretty common issue on those. Reed, generally the regulator has gone bad on it. What you could try just until you can get it fixed is take and catch that thing on both sides. Does any of the windows stick up at all? No. It's completely down? Yeah. Can you hear the motor trying yeah. to run? Yes, yeah. Yeah. All right. With the regulators, the regulators come apart in it. You're gonna have to take the door panel off, take the door apart, and change the regulator. What it is, it's it's not scissor arms and no. anymore in slides. It's cable pulley system now, and they tend to break and carry cheap, on. Cheap, and, cheap, cheap, cheap. Can we just bring the the window up? You might be able to. In place? Possibly. You might be able to. Which window is it? The drivers. You won't be able to get an inspection sticker if it's the drivers. It's got to operate. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Drivers is the only one that has to operate. It's got to work. I can almost guarantee you that you won't be able to do anything with that door without taking the regulator out of it. Yeah. I mean, okay. you, you can try pushing it up and blocking it up just to get just your to body to the you can rain find. out of it. Yeah. Can you give me a round figure? High. Very high. Yeah. That ain't. <laughs> <laughs> About oh, five bills for the part. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. About an hour and a half to change it. And could go used. But you're going to end up with the same problem you yeah. got now. Well, they're, they're, all... they're not going to sell you a, a used one because they don't want to take it out. They're going to sell the whole door. Can we take one out of the back? No. No, sir. Every what? position is different and every one is different. Well, you guys are just full of good news. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you bought the Buick. <laughs> I inherited the Buick. Yeah. No, that's about it. And yeah. some of them are a little bit less expensive than that because they break out the regulator separate from the motor. And I just have to call Buick and find out on that one. But... Even the cheaper ones are generally in the three hundred dollar range. That's without a motor, and like I said, and then it, you got it's labor. pretty yeah, it's pretty hard to change the special rivet that holds it in there. That you got to drill out and you got a big rivet gun to put it back in. So most do-it-yourselfers is a little out of their range. I mean, the labor to do it's not all that bad. It's a little over hundred dollars labor to to do the whole deal, but the part is obscenely expensive, like everything from GM. If it goes to a state where they don't have inspection stickers, could you just could with that fly having the window up? Mm, I guess so. I really don't know. Uh, I don't think you'll be able to really be able to run your car without a window, though. I mean, well, you got three others. Yeah, but what happens when you go to drive-in? <laughs> yeah, or, or, I don't go to drive. The uh, drive-in. Yeah. Boy, you just said nah, your age, I'm didn't doing, you? Nah, the drive-in. Oh. The drive-in burger <laughs> joint. Okay. I mean, right. technically, I guess if nobody was checking inspection, you could probably block it up. Yeah. But it's kind of difficult. I know people who have tried. I mean. 
how you go about blocking it up. You could yeah, try, okay. maybe take a broomstick or something, wedge okay. under it. Where's your, where's your shop? I tell you, why don't you go to my website, and they got a map in there to get you anywhere in the world. I mean, they ask you questions okay. on Corsi Boulevard, but okay. just go to the All website right. and type in location. It'll show what, what you right where I mean, what's your web? www.agcoauto. Just take the acronyms out to Zan's Garage Company. Right. A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Agcoauto.com. Yes, sir. Get you right there. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more. Travel my way. Take the highway. That's the best. I get you. Oh, I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep. It's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah, I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. If you just join us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, trying to answer any automotive questions you might have, why don't you go ahead and just give us calls? And we'll try to help you out and put you right up to the top of the list. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the answer to that. The last caller was talking about the, the power windows, windows and stuff. Uh-huh. And that is a very, very problematic part of a car these days. It really is. They've cheapened up the mechanisms, mm-hmm. um, the old scissors, scissor arms. Yeah, with the gear and... and- they work great forever, mm-hmm. even with a hand crank, right. and they just adapted a motor to the same scissor system, right. and they work for years, never give you any trouble, mm-hmm. and very seldom a motor would go out. You'd reach in there and change just the motor right. and keep going. But now they've cheapened up to a cable plastic right. pulley system. Well, and there's an article under detailed topics. If you go in there and do a search and just type in power window problems, or actually the name of the article is preventing power window problems, uh-huh. it tells you some things you can do to keep from having problems, or at least lessen your chances of having problems but like you said what they use is a little old stamp steel or aluminum channel piece of channel iron with a piece of plastic that slides up and down it's got just a little wire and two plastic pulleys and when the motor turns it winds this wire up one way and it turns it winds it back the other way and pulls the window up and down uh-huh. real real cheesy system and they break i know ford i think first started with that and they had nothing but trouble with it like on the crown vicks right and the grand marquees and the town cars and all that then gm adopted it. they've had nothing but trouble with it now chrysler's going to it yeah well <laughs> <laughs> it makes it out of warranty right yeah yeah well generally they're going to make it 40 50 60 thousand oh, yeah. miles they'll make it out of warranty period but then whenever you got to go and pay for it and that's stuff as cheap as it's built i mean just looking at this thing it looks like it probably cost them two dollars to build it and they want to sell it to you for 500 right so it really is kind of 
a little on the aggravating side to see it. I mean, guy was telling me the other day, he said, how you like a new car? I said, I love them, man. It's a thousand bucks they're trying to roll in here. Oh, yeah. But I guarantee you ain't going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm looking at it from a little different perspective than you are. Exactly. And you say, well, you sound like you're down on them a lot. I said, well, you know, I'm just trying to help folks out because, I mean, there is enough legitimate stuff that's going to happen to cars to where I'm going to have plenty to do. I don't need them building cars that'll intentionally break down. Just well, that's to, it. I, something's wrong with our phone lines. Try to get through. Just keep on calling. We'll try to get you through there. You don't need something to try to create more work. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, you got, like you said, there's plenty to do already. Well, it is. And if you come by the shop just about any day and walk through the bays, you're going to be absolutely flabbergasted at the number of new and newish cars. Oh, that it, you most see in definitely. There. We got 15 parking spaces out back, and they're full. You yeah. got 12 bays in the shop, and they're usually full. Yeah, that's right. And it's not so much old cars that have worn out. We, no, it's we not. We just don't really see that much. I mean, we do a lot of maintenance on older cars. but it's Most the of them new- are 2,000 and newer. Yeah, 2002 well, you, you and start newer. getting like the 07s, 08s in. Well, yeah, the 08s are starting to come in now because they're out of the factory warranty. Right. I was talking to a fella just the other day, and he called me. He was asking me he's got a Ford pickup, like an 07 model Ford pickup with a three-valve engine that breaks the spark plugs off. Right. And I asked him how many miles he had on. He says, well, I got almost 100. I said, oh, man, if you hadn't changed those plugs yet, they may not come out of there. He says, well, he says, they've already put two engines in it. I assume they two put engines. Yeah, two engines. I assume they put new plugs when they put new engines. I said, well. <laughs> An 07 has already had two engines yes, put in it? Yes. First one was still under the factory warranty. I right. think it went about 36, 37,000 miles. And the guy had brought the truck to us. It had a misfire, and it had a dead cylinder on it. Okay. So we sent him back to the dealer, and they put him a new motor. Well, that one didn't even make it out of the warranty that was on the motor. Really? So this is two engines that he's had put in it in a little bit less than 100,000 miles. Wow. (laughs) That gives you a lot of confidence in the new cars, don't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just just kind of sad. So let's go to the phone line with John. Good morning, John. Good morning, guys. Yes, sir. Good morning. Hey, I bought a brand-new cargo trailer. Okay. And I have a Toyota pickup truck, and it has the fig plug and everything on the back of Uh it. Uh-huh. And when I plug the trailer into it, brake lights... And the signal lights will work, but the running lights won't work. Hmm, okay. Will any other trailer plug in and, and work? I really haven't I tried, never tried, another one. tried a different one. I would say it's probably going to be a problem in the trailer just because I kind of doubt Toyota having a problem in their hookup. The only other thing I could think of is that hookup is not 100% compatible with the trailer hookup. I mean, be fairly easy to diagnose, John. Just about any competent shop can take a voltmeter and check that connector and see what's going on there. If you got power on the lead and it's going into the trailer, then the problem's in the trailer. What I would suggest is bring the trailer and the truck by, and we could go in and, and test the connector and tell you it's possible it could even be like a fuse or something. Uh, some of those have multiple fuses on those trailer connectors, not just one fuse. So uh-huh. the brake lights and all that may work, but just the running light portion of that may be bad. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the only way I know to check it would be to go in with both vehicles and test, just put a voltmeter on that connector and see if you got voltage and ground going out to the trailer. If you do and the lights aren't coming on. And it's got to be in a trailer harness yeah, somewhere. Yeah, it would have to be in a trailer harness somewhere. It's fairly new. You, you may still have warranty on that. Yeah, I mean, I just bought it like a month ago. The reason I say it's not likely to be on the Toyota side is because every one of those gets the same harness, and if there was a problem, you'd have thousands and thousands of people with that problem. And I haven't really heard very many people complaining about that, so chances are the problem's going to be in the the trailer. But I would bring both vehicles by and just test them both and see. It's not, not blowing any kind of fuse or anything. 
where I bought the trailer at, when I mm-hmm. brought it back to them, I told them, you know, that the running lights wouldn't work. So they uh-huh. checked both sockets and stuff, and they said, that, you know, everything checked out fine. Went under the hood and checked fuses, and all the fuses were good. But they were saying something about a separate fuse that might have to get because there were some blank well, female sockets. Well, there, there are there are blank sockets on every box. That's just the way they're made right. because they don't know what all accessories are going in that truck, and they build a box for enough accessories for the best case scenario. So all vehicles have blank sockets in there. Uh-huh. If you got voltage on the running wire at the plug, you can forget about the rest of the truck. Right, you forget the truck right there. Yeah, you know, that, that's pretty simple diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, it's not a whole lot to it. What kind of concerns yeah. me a little bit, John, is that they told you everything checks okay. Well, then why aren't the lights working? Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I mean that doesn't really make me feel warm and fuzzy about those guys. And I, this is a this is a trailer company that's been in business for seventy five years. I mean, yeah, you know, well, and they may be a great trailer company, and they may be good people, but that doesn't mean they're technically competent with well, electrical circuits. I tell you what, right. you can do. Take your truck back over there where you bought the trailer and plug up to another one. Yeah, see if there's another trailer there. And maybe see plug if in it one works. Of those and see if it and works. if it works, then you know it's in the truck in the trailer. That's yeah. right. That'd be yeah, a, a simple, easy, quick thing to do. Yeah. Hmm. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna be going by there. That might just. Well, there you go. There yeah, you I can go. just wheel up yeah. in there and say, "Hey guys, look, I still haven't found this problem. You mind if I plug into one of these other trailers and see what happens?" Yeah. And uh, if it works, well, then you know. Yeah, and, it's uh, in the trailer. If it doesn't work, well. I mean, it's possible that it's a separate fuse somewhere, and it's even possible the fuse got left out. But, I mean, if they checked the connector and they said if it was good, I mean, because they should be able to just touch all the leads on there, and one of them wouldn't have power if you got a bad fuse. That's that's pretty right. simple to diagnose. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All righty. Thanks. Man. Thanks, John. You're welcome. Bye-bye. There you go. All right. Push, the other button. Push the right button. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, I'll get that figured out. You think so, huh? That's right. That's right. Trailer connections nowadays, I think it's a very, very good thing that most of the newer cars do come already wired for that. Most definitely. And a lot of that is an isolated system. What they've done is they've taken the trailer wires out of the main harness. They run separate wires, and it's on a separate circuit. Right. And generally, it has either a little module or something that controls it. Or something to that effect and it keeps a lot a lot of problems because that was one of the things that used to really give a lot of trouble people would hook up a trailer harness and they would tie into those tail light wires get something tied in wrong or change exactly. the load on the circuit or something like that and you get all kinds of transient grounds and all kinds of weird stuff happening they came out with a, a harness that plugged into the tail light harness mm-hmm. you would unplug the they had a connector back there at the tail lights and you would unplug that and this connector had a male and a female on it. You would plug in mm-hmm. and put in line, and everything was pre-wired already. Right. That and was a lot better than the old ones. It right. just sold you a pigtail with bare wires on it and said, That's here, right. hook this up. That's right. And, and now most time they're going to have a little SCR, silicon mm-hmm. control rectifier, and a module with an isolated power and ground source. Exactly. So it's not pulling. So you're taking that lighting wire and using it as a signal. Mm-hmm. But it's actuating a rectifier of some sort that's actually ducting power directly to the light so right it kind of takes the vehicle system completely out of the loop it's a good thing they've gone to a, a much better plug yeah on the trailers also one really good thing hey we'll take one more quick little break we'll be right back with more bad dream last night girl me too i was out on a date with matthew mcconaughey well that doesn't sound too bad but literally all he could say was all right all right all right still it's in auto tune all right all right all right all right all right all right over and over and over oh it was a nightmare 
What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? Which I find, I find incredibly I find aggravating. aggravating, but hey, I guess if some people like it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And that's fine. You know, a lot of new phones don't even have those letters on them anymore. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll get away from that. <laughs> you would think after 100 years, huh? Yeah, there you go. There you go. You think with well, Alexander Graham Bell had all that in mind? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, we'll see where all this is going to go. <laughs> We were talking a little bit during the break there about some of the cars we see come in the shop. A lot of times, weird electrical problems are associated with cars that have been wrecked. Uh We see that a lot, along with lots of other problems. And, you know, not to take anything away from body shops because they do a good job putting cars back together and painting them and making them look good. But a lot of times they don't really address all of the mechanical and electrical issues and suspension issues issues in the vehicle because they're geared more we're trying to make the body parts fit and the paint match and and make it look good make it look like it used to look Mm -hmm. but i know that's one of the main things we do at agco is the frame and alignment and that kind of stuff very 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 often we'll get a vehicle in and it'll have a weird electrical problem and when you start checking, it's not any of the main components. You'll find like a pinched wire or, or the metal bent and something pinched a wire. Or maybe the frame's still bent a little bit and something rubbed. Something's rubbed through. Yeah, uh, we, we see that quite quite often. The body shops, like you say, they will they will make everything look right, but they're mm-hmm. not really into the the mechanical and the electrical issues that would come to well, and f- come to bear in a, to in be, a wrecked vehicle. To be fair with them, I mean, they don't deal with that on a exactly. daily basis. That's not really something that they're in the business doing right you got basically engineers will take 20 or 30 brand new cars smash them into a wall see what happens route certain things certain ways to avoid problems Mm -hmm. and most mechanical shops are kind of sort of used to dealing with that sort of thing right if a wiring harness goes a certain way then that goes that way for a reason and you better put it back exactly like it goes with the connectors that are there and every one of them on there Whereas body men tend to think more in terms of appearance and cosmetics and all. So they're more likely, I think, to maybe leave that harness kind of dangling down, not thinking that, hey, this is going to vibrate going down the road and it's going to rub a hole in it. Mm-hmm. End up with that. And we see that kind of stuff a lot. Right. I've got a neighbor that had an accident about, I guess, two months ago, uh-huh. and they just got their car back. Mm-hmm. And they've had to take it back several times because... It's not like it was before, you know. Something's not right in it. Right, and we do, a and we do a lot of that. of that. A lot of that at Agco. Right. Well, the car maybe hey it was wrecked and it was repaired. It looks great. Everything else is good, but now it's wearing tires. It never did that before. Right. And we go in and we find something's not exactly right. And many times we can correct that. Go in and 
Straighten few, it all few out. Additional pulls here and there. Get the suspension all lined out on it and solve the problem. Exactly. Let's go take some of our phone calls. We've got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing great, sir. Good morning. All right, I've got a noise. I'm trying to figure out what okay, it is. Okay, sir. I've got a 01 Ford F-150, mm-hmm. and I, I bought it from a company I worked at. Mm-hmm. And I drove it for a long time before I actually bought it. Yes, sir. And since I can remember, it's made this deep humming noise. Anytime you give it gas acceleration, the, the noise stops. But anytime you're off the gas... It just hums, and the previous owner, he told me that you know, he took it in. They had no idea. I know I'm giving you all very little here. Well, I'm going to tell you, Mike, they had a lot of trouble with gear noise on those trucks, so much so that Ford came out with a kit with revised okay. gears. They revised the spec on the oil that goes in the rear end. That sounds like rear differential noise. A bearing will make the noise when you accelerate and quit when you let off, but a gear will generally be exactly the opposite. Wow. It'll, it'll make right. the noise when you let off, you know, because those gears wind back, and that's when you start to hear it. Is the noise getting worse, or is it staying about the same? It's a little worse than it was originally, but yeah. it's it's not a lot worse. Yeah. Will it, will it do it sitting still? Uh, it sure will, yeah. No, it'll do it with the car sitting still, not yeah. rolling? It will not. Yeah, if it's absolutely. In park. Yeah, I'm, I'm in park right now, and it's. Yeah. It'll do it. It's still doing it? It's something okay, in the well, it engine. can't be the differential because none of that's turning. Right. Then. It's got to be something in the accessory drive on the, the belt side on the front of the engine. Yeah, something, something or in there. something that maybe the inside And if you race the motor the up, it'll speed up with the motor? It will. It'll just stop. I mean, if it'll I stop the motor, if you rev the motor. It'll completely disappear. What you might try, Mike, because one thing I have heard on those trucks do that is the idle control valve will make okay. a noise very similar to that, and it's hard as a dickens to find. But sure. go up on with the hood up, take the air box off the top where you can see okay. that, and crank it up and let it run and see if you can touch. You, you know what the idle servo looks like? It's a little silver thing with a wire going into it and two bolts holding on. I, I think I can find it. Yeah, touch that and see if it's not vibrating. Okay. I've changed several of those for that kind of a problem, and it will do okay. it. When you give it the gas, it's no longer idling, so it'll go away. Sure, exactly. That might definitely yeah. be somewhere to check. Well, that's something. I sure do appreciate okay, it. Okay, Mike. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right, you want to be part of the automotive? I'd almost forgot about that because we hadn't seen it in a while. But yeah, in a while. The Expedition and the F-150 both had that hum kind of a noise in that idle servo. And only at idle. Yeah, only idle. When you give it the gas, it goes away because right. it's not idle anymore. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what causes it because it still works, but it just has it just a noise. Makes a noise. But if you take that air box off, you can finger on you can feel it. Yeah. You know, a little vibration in there. Hmm. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that, too. Yeah, hopefully that's what it is. We got Todd online. Good morning, Todd. Uh, morning, gentlemen. How good, you doing? Good morning. I've got a 97 Nissan truck. Okay. Great little work truck. I've had it. I bought it brand new. Uh-huh. And it's got about 100 and I'd say 77,000 miles right. on it. I mean, I haven't done, I've done my basic maintenance on yes, it. Sir. Kept it running. But lately I've learned that uh, I can, when you first start, the valves are really starting to clang. You can hear them, you know. Okay. Starting to get worse. And my basically my uh, question is, when it does, I'm going to run, run it to the wheels fall off. Uh-huh. But, um, I may even want to put another motor in it. Yes, or either, sir have the motor redone I'm, my question is which do you recommend should i just go some of my friends say you can go ahead and get a whole new motor or just have the work done on it as far as the valve job or yeah i would be more leaning tied towards repairing the motor that you have the reason being it's kind of a misnomer when people say a new motor you can't get a new motor unless you buy a new truck what you're getting is a rebuilt motor i mean if you go right. back to nissan you're getting, a, getting a, a rebuilt, rebuilt motor yeah and 
at one time, those were pretty good. A lot of them were coming out of Japan and what have you. Nowadays, man, they are building those motors all over the world, and I'm not that pleased with any of the rebuilt stuff I'm seeing come out. The motor that you got in the truck, you know is basically good other than this noise. So what I would probably want to do if I were doing the job is I'd first off diagnose what the problem is because it may not be that big a deal. It could be something as simple as a valve adjustment. It could be as bad as maybe have to redo the head, but again, that's way less than a motor. It could also be the timing chain will make a noise very similar to that, which is also a relatively minor job. If you just want to hedge your bet, you can always drop the oil pan and inspect the bearings and all, but I mean, if your oil pressure is good and it runs good, I have seen those little motors go 300,000 miles. Yeah. So maybe less than halfway through the life of that motor, especially if you've changed your oil regular and everything on it. I think I would recommend to you to go in and have the noise diagnosed and repair it, and I would probably do that sooner rather than later because any kind of a noise like that, Todd, what's going to happen is that as it goes on, it's going to get worse and worse. It's going to cause other problems. If it's a valve tap and it can end up beating the ends of the valve stems all crazy, whereas before it was an adjustment, now it ends up in new valves. Or if a valve is pounding in the head, you can pound the seats out of the heads. I mean, there's nothing that's making mechanical noise that's going to get better. Right. It's just going to get worse in time. So, I mean, I'm not saying you got to do it tomorrow, but I would start budgeting towards getting that repaired before it breaks. Uh, if it's a timing chain making noise and it breaks, I mean, it's going to leave you stranded at best, and it may tear some other stuff up. Right, right. Yeah, I'm really worried about the timing chain. I need yeah, to I mean, really, you could probably put a, a cylinder head and a timing chain on that thing for Way a fraction even. of what a motor yeah. would cost. <laughs> I mean, it's not burning oil or anything? No, sir, not at all. Yeah, I think I would repair it. I have been using synthetic oil. Is that you know, oh, yeah. that's okay? Absolutely. No, okay. Yeah, I would look at repairing that thing. I wouldn't go with a rebuild because I'm just not that pleased with the quality of the rebuilds I've seen out there. Excellent. Well, thank All you right. very much. You've answered my question. Okay, sir. Thank you. You bet. Yeah. Hi, Paul of the Automotive Hour, and we got David's been patiently holding. Good morning, David. Hi, good morning. Hope yes, you good guys morning. had a great vacation. Good, good, we man. Did. I've got a 07 Mazda pickup, four-cylinder, uh-huh. fine truck, but this is more of a generic question, but specifically to the truck. Mm-hmm. At 30,000 miles or so, should I pull the plugs and just put them back? Or, and when you put plugs back, should you ever use never seize on them? Good, good question, Dave. I would check the maintenance schedule and see what they recommend because a lot of the Jap vehicles still use copper plugs, and they recommend changing them at 30. Oh, okay. So if they recommended to change it, that or you can pull them out and measure the gap on them. And if the gap is too wide, I would replace the plugs. Mm-hmm. If the gap is not too wide... You could put them back in. That vehicle's not really going to have trouble with the plug season in the head. They just don't have that problem. So if it's got a platinum or iridium plug and they recommend 100,000 miles, you could pretty much go 100,000. They'll still come out just fine. To answer your second question, most of the experts I've talked to say do not put nevices on the threads of a plug because it can change some of the heat characteristics of the plug by insulating the threads. And it doesn't transfer heat the same into cylinder. Basically, clean and dry, torque down to the proper spec with the engine coal is going to give you all you need. Check and see what they recommend as far as plugs. You can almost tell by the price of the plug. In other words, if you call Mazda and those plugs are $4 a piece, then they probably need to be changed 30,000 miles. If they're $12 a piece, then they're probably good for 90. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. I sure do appreciate it. All right, it. David. Thank you. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the automotive eye, we'd love to have you. And we got Alan online. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. Good morning. Got a question about my air conditioning. Okay. My 07 GMC Sierra. 
Okay. Uh, up to yesterday, it was working fine. Uh-huh. And then it just stopped blowing out air. Turn it on, and the compressor comes on, uh-huh. but no air comes on. Not blowing at all? Not blowing at all. Okay. On any speed? Right, on any speed. Yeah, okay. chances are, Alan, what's happened is there's a blower motor on there, and they have an annoying habit of getting kind of dry, and they start pulling too much amperage. Now, when it happens, you don't know anything's going on at all. But it's got another little part called a blower control module. And when the amperage gets too high, it toasts that module. And when it does, it quits blowing. Now, this is the kicker. If you go in and you change that blower control module, it'll start blowing just fine. And it'll blow fine for about three or four months, and it'll happen again. So what you do is go in with a a milliamp meter and measure the amp draw on that motor. If it's anything approaching or exceeding 10 amps, then the motor is bad. you got to change the motor, or it will keep burning up these little modules. Sometimes, if it gets bad enough, it'll melt the pigtail that goes into the module. They've had some trouble with that. I've changed quite a few modules, pigtails, and blower motors. But the big thing is to get it properly diagnosed, because if you just change the module, you're kind of treating the symptom of the problem. Almost always, that's going to be the blower motors pulling too much amperage. Okay, is that too pricey to just change out without knowing? The motor is probably around $200. The module is about $60, and the pigtail is probably about $60. You can inspect the pigtail and see if it's melted, so that'll be pretty obvious. I think those are relatively easy to change, aren't they, Brian? About an hour, hour and a half I think so. I can't remember off the top of my head where that motor's at, if it's outside or inside. Yeah, they used to be inside the truck. I yeah. think that was on the outside. Not a lot of labor to change it out. I think most shops are going to charge you between an hour and an hour and a half to change everything. That's kind of the prices of the parts. And you almost got to go back to Chevrolet and buy those because as bad as they are, they're better than the rest of the junk that's on the market. If you go to a parts store and buy it, man, you really have problems then. All right. Well, I appreciate the call. All righty, Alan. All right. Thank, thank you. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. All right, we've got to take one more quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Man, I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at Agco Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvazan. Got Mr. Brian Terry here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call? We were talking right at the start of the show about the detailed topic and that new article that I put on there about name brand and no-name 
gasoline. Right. And uh, I mentioned the picture that's in there. Of course, nobody's picked up on that, so I guess. Hey. <laughs> you, you need to click on there and take a look at that picture. Just tell me what year that is that that picture was taken. Or what year you think it is. Or what year you think it is. That's yeah. right. Because <laughs> it's a pretty cool picture. Yeah. So we're gonna, I guess we got to sweeten the deal here and offer some guy a little, uh, little, little, incentive? little incentive for people to call there you in. Go. <laughs> but just pop on that website. It'll be the first detailed topic in the list, and it's called No Name and Brand Name Gasoline. That a real is, good article. Yeah, that's a, that is a question that we just get a lot because people say, well, you know, I, this gas is five cents a gallon cheaper, and I'm all for saving money. And I said, well, and I even did the calculations on that article. If you take the average vehicle that gets, say, 16 miles to the gallon, okay, and many of them get a lot better than that, right? but say 16 miles to the gallon, say you drive 12,000 miles a year, which is the average person, and say you save a nickel a gallon on gasoline, okay, how much are you going to save in a year? Not enough to pay for that cheap gas. 38 bucks a year. <laughs> now, let me tell you, people are spending money on fuel injection, flushing, and stuff hand over fist because they say the injector's plugged up because they're using cheap junk gas at and doesn't have enough detergent at 180 bucks a crack. That's right. So how many years you got to drive at five cents a gallon to even make that up? That's it. And it's just so much better to use a good product that's not going to clog the injectors and stuff up than to try to repair the problem once it occurs. Exactly. It's a false economy, and that's one of the reasons why so many people are doing badly these days is because there's so much hoopla out there that misleads people. Sure. And that's one of them. I'm going to save you money. I'm going to save you a nickel a gallon of gas. Okay, except it's going to cost me $1,000. <laughs> yeah, further down the road. Down the road. So pop on in and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com, and I think you'll like it. We've got Perry online. Good morning, Perry. I have a O2 GMC Sierra. Okay. I've got an occasional problem where when I get in and turn the ignition on mm-hmm. and get nothing but light up the dash. Tried a few things. Neutral safety switch. Mm-hmm. Change it out. I got it. What you're saying, Perry, is you're turning the key and it doesn't do anything? Right. Okay. It, it does light the lights on the dashboard, yes, mm-hmm. but it, it only, it just does a minute or so later. Yeah, it'll start. Uh, it'll start. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. I have changed a fair number of ignition switches for that problem, and I wouldn't want you to go just change that switch without testing it first. But see, the ignition switch, you've got several modes in there. It's got about 40 or 50 contacts in it. One of them, when you first turn, is going to light the dash lights and all that. Another one's going to power up the fuse boxes, the A circuit, the B circuit, the C circuit, and so on. And then the final one goes over and contacts the starter solenoid to make it crank. What I would want to do first, Perry, before you do that, you fairly handy checking things? Yes, yes. Okay, get you a voltmeter, go down to the starter, and get you a little alligator clip of some kind. You got a great big terminal and you got a small terminal. Okay. Clip it onto that small terminal, hook the other lead to ground, and turn your key. And what happens is if you've got no power there when that key is turned, then you've got like a switch or wiring type problem. If you've okay. got power there and it's not cranking, then you got something inside the starter. Okay. So that's right. pretty simple to diagnose, and the next thing is just to move your leads back up a little bit further. To just guess, I have changed a fair number of ignition switches. Now, that's not the lock cylinder. It's a switch. The switch is separate from the lock cylinder. It's down underneath okay. the dash on yeah. top of the column. Yeah, because I've had people go in and change the lock cylinder and say, well, still doing it. Well, <laughs> yeah, lock cylinder is okay. not the switch. <laughs> okay, the ignition switch. Yes, sir, but I wouldn't change it without testing it first because that right. doesn't necessarily right. have to be it. I see and a no, starter do the same exact thing. Right. The, the problem with it is it only happens for like a few minutes. Yeah. And by the time you get down there to check it, That's it, right. it starts. What I would do, Percy, you got the luxury that a shop doesn't have. What you could do is just kind of go in and temporarily, permanently run you a couple of wires down to that starter and run them into the truck. 
All right. And just leave your voltmeter laying on the front seat. And the next time it does it, look down at that voltmeter and bam, you got it. All right. All righty. I appreciate it. Okay, man. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the automotive eye, we'd love to have you. And we got Drew online. Good morning, Drew. Hey, Lewis. You're talking about the gasoline, no name versus name yes, brand. Mm-hmm. It's come to my attention out here. There's a couple stations, convenient type, uh, store type uh-huh. stations that advertise that they have 100% gasoline, yes, no mm-hmm. ethanol. Yes, sir. Now, since it's not name brand, would you recommend switching to that or buying exclusively 100% gasoline, even though it's not name brand? Would it yeah. be worth it? I tell you the truth, Drew, I would prefer the name brand fuels because when I was researching this article, what I found out is you've got base gasoline and the majors produce all the base gasoline for everybody. You've got federal standards, which are minimums amounts of detergent and those kinds of things that have to be added to meet the law. But that's where it all ends. And that's generally what your base gas or your no-name stuff is going to be. The majors add detergents. They may have three times the minimum detergent in them. You may have things there that stop pinging. You have things there that stop vapor lock. They even put stuff there to increase your gas mileage a lot of times that you don't get the private label or cheap gas. So ethanol is not my favorite thing in the world, but the biggest problem with ethanol was when they first started putting it into the tanks, it picked up all the moisture, and so you bought everybody's sludge. But, of course, that's pretty well ended by now. 10% ethanol now after it's already cleaned out all the tanks out there, has pretty much very little effect on the car, other than the fact that you're going to lose a little bit of fuel mileage. Uh-huh. Alcohol has 33% less energy than gasoline, so 10%, you can lose 3.3% of your, of your energy or 3.3% of your mileage. That's the biggest single drawback. But they can add stuff to the fuel, to the gasoline, extends the gas mileage. It makes it burn more slowly, makes it burn more efficiently. So I've just always had real good luck using the name brand fuel and i've seen countless countless times folks have come in the fuel pumps eaten up the gas tanks rusted up the fuel lines are rusty and you ask them where do you get your fuel i've never one time had them say a, a major brand name it's always one of the brand stations uh, okay. so i probably just wouldn't run the risk i mean it's just not worth it five cents a gallon like I say you're talking 38 cents a year savings and okay. the cheapest fuel system repair you're going to do is going to be 10 times that all righty, I appreciate it. Man. All righty, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Emily online. Good morning, Emily. I'm calling about a 2001 Jeep Cherokee okay. that we've not had any trouble with until about a week ago. And we went in a restaurant and left the car mm-hmm. uh, with the air conditioning on. And it got hot. It went pretty far over the middle. Mm-hmm. And Do you so know if that's brought- a 4-liter engine? Emily? Four-liter engine, Michael. Six-cylinder? Uh, yeah. And Those so, do not like to get hot at all. Is that what it is? Yeah, they do not like to get hot. They are notorious for blowing head gaskets and cracking cylinder heads if they even get a little bit hot. Okay. So now well, what we happens... Well, around, it got all right. But now yeah, when I stop it, it getting hot, light, yeah, it starts cycles, overheating. It starts up. Yeah, what happens, most likely you either blew a head gasket or you cracked Crack a cylinder head. head, and it's going to keep getting hot. It's going to get worse and worse. It can be repaired, Emily, but it is kind of pricey. So send me an email. I'm just out of time, and I'll be glad to talk to you about it a little more. Hey, you want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning Automotive Hour? Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. We'd like to thank our pod listeners. Listen every week and tell your right. friends about it and get some more on there. There you go. Thank you.